Hello, ladies and gentlemen, but probably mostly gentlemen. Welcome to the first installment of the Traditionalist Moment podcast. It is I, your host, the Traditionalist. And for this preliminary, I guess, podcast, I just wanted to talk a little bit about who I am, my political leanings, uh, the purpose of this podcast, what I want it to be in the future, and I guess go over some more brief overview stuff instead of going into specifics of any news story or any, I guess, discussion on any political issue. I guess first a little bit about me. Um, I'm relatively young, you could say. I've been interested in politics for quite a long time now. I first got interested in politics around June, or I guess January of 2018. I was, I guess, quite quite young at the time, and I first got introduced to a Ben Shapiro Thug Life compilation. And it's kind of cringe, I know, but it's true that... That, I guess, was my first foray into politics. Ben Shapiro was the first person who I actively listened to for their political opinion. And, you know, throughout the years, I, you know, kept listening to him. And then, you know, 2020 happened and, you know, everything went down the drain. COVID, the riots, everything like that. And I'm like, I don't know if this, you know, movement, the libertarian movement, which, you know, since I listened to Ben Shapiro, I was you know, uh, agreeing with most of the things he said. I was like, I don't, I'm not sure this libertarian movement is feasible and a good movement because, you know, libertarians seek to promote, you know, absolute total freedom above everything else, freedom for freedom's sake, as you could say. And you could see, you know, the massive injustice with the lockdowns and the riots and, you know, them going un- unpunished and everything like that. And you start to think it's like, maybe this freedom isn't good, you know, full total freedom. Maybe people aren't you know, capable of entirely governing themselves. And I was still a Christian. Like I've been a Christian in my entire life. I've always believed in God, but sorry, excuse me. Um, But it was kind of hard to square the circle with Christianity and libertarianism, which I increasingly, you know, figured out by myself. It's like, okay, you know, we have a duty to help our fellow neighbor. We have a duty to help others. But libertarianism is almost selfishness as a political ideology, you know, absolute freedom, you know, do whatever you want, but how is that conducive to a moral and, you know, godly society where everyone just does whatever they want? You know, you do drugs, you do prostitution, you all, you do all this degenerative lifestyle, things that degrade the culture, and like don't bring you closer to God. And it suddenly dawned to me around, you know, October of 2020, like I can't be a libertarian. Like you, you can't, it's very, very hard to be a libertarian, like a pure idealist libertarian and also be a Christian because God and the Christian faith requires you and commands you to help your fellow neighbors, do duty to them, look after them, and everything that libertarianism like shuns. They say, you know, be your own person, do whatever you want, do whatever you want, you know, extreme individualism. And that really can't coexist with a Christian moral framework. So I eventually started, you know, moving out of that, the libertarian phase. And then I found John Doyle, who still my favorite political commentator he like basically encapsulated perfectly everything that i thought and the things that like i wanted to think but i couldn't really you know uh couldn't really like you know formulate in my mind what i wanted to say and what i wanted to think so you know he laid everything out perfectly he was great you know high energy really funny and you know i've been hooked on him ever since probably i'm probably his biggest fan you could probably say that i run a quite popular instagram page about him so, you know, I'm not going to plug myself too much, but yeah, so I'm very 
I still have a great affinity for John Doyle and everything that he says and does. And, you know, everything that he said made perfect sense to me, everything. And it was like, okay, this is the thing that's right. This is, you know, the conservatism and the movement and the ideology that I want to get behind. The fact that, you know, you're looking out for the nation, the fact that you want to like, you know, libertarianism seeks to promote free trade, you know, pure capitalism. And you can see the effects of that over the last 30 years. You see this rampant poverty problem, you know, no jobs, jobs being shipped overseas, these corrupt corporate oligarchs controlling everything about our lives, big tech censorship. And the libertarian position is like, oh, no, oh, just start your own company. But then, you know, of course, it doesn't work. Everyone like you can look at that anywhere. And so many people have, you know, gone over this point. I don't want to sound you know, derivative and say the same things over and over again, like what other people have said, but it is true. The fact that libertarianism is a very infeasible political ideology, especially for today's time and today's climate, where you have totalitarian state control wherever you go. You see these people who want to destroy your country, the people who want to burn down your history and your ancestors, they want to desecrate them. They want to paint all white people and all Americans and everyone is racist and perpetuating these evils across the world throughout history. The fact that, you know, the world systemically racist against black people and we have to give black people extra privileges for simply existing and all this stuff. And you realize, you know, the libertarian position is just, oh, live and let live, debate them in the marketplace of ideas. And then, I mean, these people, they're not going to stop. They don't want to debate. You can't rationally talk to these people. You can't, like John Doyle says, you can't give them a copy of, of John Stuart Mill's On Liberty or give them like a pocket constitution and they're suddenly read it and they're like, oh my gosh, it makes sense to me. I get it. I get it. I was so wrong. And no, these movements are based on an emotional basis and facts aren't going to do it. You know, this is also a thing that I find very off-putting about Ben Shapiro is his facts don't care about your feelings, I guess, slogan. And you realize, you know, all the facts that a lot of people point out are, you know, there's studies and all the science that's controlled by these oligarchs who, you know, mold the narrative to fit their political positions and the facts that like and the, and the fact is that these facts that you know everyone starts to cite about everything have a political underleading to them and it's really hard to even trust any study or any source that comes out nowadays with all this politicization and all the money bundled with the science and it's becoming even like increasingly clear that like even science is a very shaky basis on to base your i guess beliefs on with you see you know this terrible covid vaccine and them shoving it down everyone's throats the fact that you can't go outside or be a normal human without taking the vaccine the fact that it's giving blood clots to everyone the fact that people are dying from it which the media has not even talked about all this stuff and then you realize i mean what are you going to do you can either embrace the leftist position of okay there's no objective morality science is i mean they obviously still use science a lot but like there's no objective morality do whatever you want you're the master of your own fate and your destiny and then, but you can also go a different way, which I think we should all we should all choose and strive to do, is put, like, still recognize objective morality, but don't put it in the hands of men. Put it in the hands of God. Realize that the Bible and the Word of God is the only objective morality that's in this world. The fact that the Bible and our Creator have established these rules and these morals that we must follow, and the fact that these are objective, um, sent down by an objective Creator who wants what's best for us and knows what's best for us. Because he's the only perfect being in existence. And I think this is where more of you know the hardline right, more of the John Doyles and other people like him differentiate between, you know, the Ben Shapiro's and the more 
uh, I guess, establishmentarian right wing, where we still obviously, we still like believe in facts and believe in objective stuff, but we don't put as much put as much emphasis on studies and data and stuff like this, where we think that this is the be all end all, and we have to, I guess, people say facts don't care about your feelings, but like feelings also don't care about your facts, you know. So I think the best way, if you if you are even going to convince these people who want to destroy you and your country and everything that made it great, like if you're going to do anything to them, you have to start making more emotional arguments to them because you realize, especially in today's society where we're all numb from electronics and drug use and all this stuff where we can't really think critically and we only like appeal to emotional arguments, especially them, these people who have been like, you know, mass controlled, mass, very manipulated by media and the oligarchs and all stuff like this. The only way that you can even reason with these people, if you can reason with them at all, is through emotional arguments. So instead of bringing up the fact that, oh, you know, uh, the assault why the assault rifle ban didn't work, and there was actually more shootings committed with assault rifles during the ban, you have to, you know, appeal to more emotional arguments. Like, okay, if we had gun control, what if there's a single mother in Detroit and her house is getting broken into, and the police take thirty minutes to get there? What if she doesn't have a gun? Okay, now she's shot. Like that's a way more compelling argument to humans who are are naturally flawed. And naturally gravitate to more emotional means. And, you know, if humans were perfect, we'd always look at things objectively and empirically and only with facts. But the reality of our world is we're not like that. We're flawed. We have, you know, we aren't perfect. And this is the condition that our world is in. It's a fallen world full of evil. And everyone trying to, I guess, not work. They're trying to work in their best interests and not disregard other people's interests and not work for a collective good, which isn't like a collective good in the word, like in the eyes of God, you know, striving to build society up and build other people up so we can all reach God and become righteous in his eyes and stuff like this. And I guess getting back to the point, I think we just need to uh, take control of the conservative movement. And I guess, uh, very direct sense you know to be very blunt we need to i guess phase out this reliance on facts this reliance on i mean not fact this reliance on you know, statistics and data and all the stuff that is easily manipulated and can be easily turned around to i guess uh work against us when the studies overwhelmingly can be just manipulated just like that to say you know conservatives are racist and all this stuff and we need to put our more faith in God, become the party of Christianity, the party of America, the party of the working class, the party of traditional moral values, the party of what America was even as recently as 60 years ago, the party of our founders and the party of our ancestors. We need to become that. And this is what I strive to do. I'm going to strive to do in this podcast. I want to, I guess, bring the message of more authentic right-wing talking points to uh social media and the wider world and i know i'm probably one of eight thousand or even more just you know people trying to say the same things which i'm trying not to do i don't want to be derivative i don't want to say the same things as other people have said so i'm going to try to put a different spin on it i'm going to try to talk about more big picture issues not just you know day-to-day current events or like i guess electoral races i want to talk about you know bigger things the things that actually determine the future of our nation the things that have been set in motion for hundreds of years. You know, the history behind this stuff. I love history. I could talk about history forever. And I just want to, you know, dive a little bit deeper and not just scratch the surface of these political talking points. And I guess 
the reason why I chose the traditionalist moment as a good podcast title is because we use the conserv I think we use the word conservative far too much in I, I guess in the conservative movement. But you know, conservative is I think a very, very overused word. You see hundreds of things called like, you know, the conservative mind or conservative this, conservative that. And I think I mean it's a good word and like I'm not gonna, you know, totally distance myself from it, but I think we should more use the word traditionalist because that is what we are. We're traditionalists. We want to preserve the traditions of our forefathers. We want to preserve the traditions of our country. We want to talk about, you know, the traditional American family and all this stuff. And, you know, conservative, their main thing is to conserve, you know, the traditional stuff, you know, traditional American family, traditional values, all this stuff. But obviously that hasn't worked. And you see like this new movement bubbling up with people such as John Doyle and Nick Fuentes and all this people who, I mean, some of them are really dumb, but this, you know, general aura of more hard line, more, I guess, more, uh, what's the word? More, not militant, but more, you know, wants to, wants to employ better means than what has been going on for the past 60 years in the conservative movement. And this is obviously a big thing coming since the election of Donald Trump, a more you know, conservative approach to retaking the culture, a more, I guess, pushing back, a more reactionary sense, if you will. And people, especially for the last couple of years, have like tried to define and like name this movement. And people have like obviously called it like, you know, the new right or Trumpism and stuff like this. And what I've been pushing for for the past couple of months is the term cons- um, the traditionalist right, because it really encapsulates what we are. Because, you know, if you look at the history of conservatism, especially in the United States, there was, you know, the, the normal conservatives, and this existed until about the 1950s, you know, the same things. Obviously, they had different opinions per different presidents, but I mean, there was more, you know, free market stuff, more protectionist people. But then, obviously, in the 1950s and 60s, you saw this divulgence of, you know, paleo conservatives and the neoconservatives, the neoconservatives being what the Republican Party largely is today, the party of Reagan, the party of Barry Goldwater. These people were all neoconservatives who were, they seek to promote a more hawkish foreign policy and a more liberalized uh, view of the United States. And obviously, even Barry Goldwater, he was still very conservative, even compared to like our politicians today. But you could see what he wanted to do. They were they were interested in spreading the ideas of America around the world, which, I mean, I, I get that. America is the greatest country ever created by God and man. It is a bastion of freedom, of, you know, hope. It's the shining city on the hill. But the problem arises when the hill and the people on the hill come down and try to push their values onto people who aren't on the hill. That's the thing that I think has been the biggest downside to conservatism in the last 60 years. And I think we've kind of strayed away from what the original form of conservative is supposed, conservatism is supposed to be, where we're supposed to be an example, but we're not supposed to, you know, being an example for someone doesn't mean that they're going to be forced to follow you and you're going to like compel them with a point of a gun to like be exactly like you are. But unfortunately, that's the thing that we've been doing. You know, we saw it in Afghanistan. We saw it in Iraq, especially, you know, in the 2000s. That was the big thing with George Bush. And, you know, even you saw it to Reagan with a certain extent, all these people. I mean, Reagan's a good president, but like, you know, I think he's vastly, vastly overhyped in the, like, guess, new Republican Party, you know, the Republican Party of today. Reagan, I think, was a B, low B to your president. I mean, he was great, you know, 
80s the 80s were epic you know i mean you look at my entire traditionalist moment aesthetic is all vaporwave i love the 80s the 80s are awesome but you know we definitely hold up reagan too high i think we need to you know glorify other presidents that haven't seen as much credit you know nixon was a great president obviously he was he has a bit of a reputation after being water, after watergate stuff like that but he was a great president dwight eisenhower was a great president you know he was an awesome general um calvin coolidge these were all great men donald trump was a great man too and i think if we want to you know retake the republican party and retake the conservative movement we have to be the party of trump and not reagan and this is like the two factions that i've been fighting for the past five six years after since ever since donald trump won the presidency are we is the republican party is the conservative movement going to be the party and movement of reagan or the party movement of trump and this is the thing and we need to i think in my opinion and in order to save the country we have to become the party of trump we have to you know be more abrasive be more bold go on the offensive more and not just be good old reagan peace through strength old you know politician who's you know talking very nicely to his opponents and the reality like we can't do that anymore that era has long passed and if we are going to even have a chance of retaking this country we're going to have to get way more aggressive get on the offensive more and going back to my original point about you know traditionalism after the neocons cons eventually took over the party with reagan and especially after that you know bush and both of the bushes and mitt romney and john mccain there's there's also there was obviously like the new 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 Republican Party as you could say with Trump, but like you can't really call them the neo neocons because that makes it sound even worse. So obviously people were coming up with a name, you know, Trumpism, all this stuff, and just try and you can't really call them paleocons either because that's a completely different thing because that's like that insinuates kind of before the neocons, you know, paleo, you know, old. Like we're trying to return to that, but I feel like that term. Has a different connotation than you know what people think it think it means. So I think what we need to I guess brand ourselves going into the future is the traditionalist conservatives. You know, return to the return to tradition, return to order, and return to like the tradition of the conservative movement, not just like the, the tradition of the United States. You know, we want to become the party of you know we want to become the party of old America, the party of when America was great, make America great again, exactly. All this stuff, you know, when America was the world superpower, the America where the family was enshrined, where you had 2.4 kids, a house, a white picket fence, all this stuff. This is what we want to have as a nation. We want to have strong families. We want to have strong communities. We want to have a small state, but that's not going to be like our primary goal. If we're like, if we can use the state to uh, promote family values, promote stuff like this, promote um, decency and morality in the culture, that's great. Like. I'm not going to say like, you know, have a totalitarian state. I want a small state. I want to be left alone by the government. I don't want to pay taxes. Taxes are dumb and terrible. But we can't, uh, I guess, fall into the libertarian thinking where the state is the most evil thing there is. And we should all do everything in our power to destroy the state when after you try to destroy the state, then because we're in a capitalist system, the companies will not become stronger than the state. And that's never what's supposed to happen. That's why we have antitrust laws. That's why we have monopolies. That's why that's we ha why you have like we're not in a pure capitalist system. The government has to have some direction. The government is at least supposedly elected by the people. We're supposed to have a say in the government. And these businesses, we're not. We don't have any say in them at all. The only like power that we have is you know 
the power of the purse where we're like boycott the businesses. But then you see these businesses such as Facebook and Amazon where they control trillions and trillions of dollars of wealth and all this stuff. And like, what is one person or even like, I don't know, even if we got every single Republican party member or any single conservative to like boycott Amazon, they still have so much power across the world and in the United States government and all these other governments. And like, they're going to be totally fine. So what we need to do is we need to use our power, the little power that we have left in the culture and in society and in the government to, I get to, enact our will on these companies because the companies can never become more powerful than the state that is like that's a corpocracy it's a corporatism it's a you know a dystopian world where at least the government's not i mean like as libertarians say at least the government's not you know exploiting us and making us slaves it's private companies and like that's no different it doesn't matter if the government or the corporations are doing it we're still being enslaved so we need to rein in the power of both the government and the corporations you know get the corporations out of the government and use the government to get rid of the corporations, not get rid of them, but, you know, rein them in, make sure that they can't exploit people, make sure that they can't control every aspect of our life, all this stuff. We need to, this also comes, we need to, you know, rein them in. It's also like ties into the fact of like protectionism and stuff where we don't want these massive global corporations taking over every single country because, you know, with protectionism, we can slow down the stuff. We can, you know, ban or, I guess incredibly slow the progress of these companies in different areas. We can keep them relegated to just one country. And that way they can, I guess, they can promote more good in their own country. They can, you know, take more time and put more effort and resources into building up that specific country than trying to, you know, profit and do everything in their can everything in their power to just get profit above everything else. And that's that is a one problem that there is with capitalism. Like I'm not, you know, a communist or anything like that, but I mean, capitalism does have problems, and I think we do need to address that as a Republican Party. That's something that we haven't been doing for the past 30 years, where we just worship at the altar of capitalism, saying, oh, there's nothing wrong with capitalism. It's a perfect system, which it's the best system that's ever been created, I agree, but it's not perfect. It's just an economic system. You know, um, with capitalism, it people drive the, – their drive is for profit, and I mean that's not a bad thing. You know, If you want to get profit, that's good, but the problem arises when you seek profit over everything else, and there's a la- complete lack of morals in society. You know, in a perfect ANCAP society, you know, anarcho-capitalist, the money would be the primary, like, driving force for every single person. Everything would be motivated by money. There's no God. There's no tradition. There's no culture. There's no anything like that. Everything that people do is motivated solely out of a desire for money. And, of course, that breeds, you know, completely immoral and disgusting stuff. You'll see, you know, widespread access to pornography, the sexual degeneracy that you see. These people – under widespread drug use because if they can commodify vice and the natural desires of man, you know, man is a naturally flawed creature and we want these things that are moral, you know, drugs and sex and stuff like this. If they can commodify that, they can like um, harness our like basic carnal desires and turn that into a never ending money machine where we give everything we have just to like, you know, fulfill our desires. And that's a terrible system. I don't want to live in. I don't want to be enslaved by my desires, like enslaved at the foot of a capitalist massive corporate oligarchy where they profit off my addictions and vices and everyone else's addictions and we're just trapped in our little bubbles while they make billions and billions of dollars no what we need to do is we need to rein in these companies we need to stop them from profiting off generacy and drugs and the natural inclinations of man we need to ban pornography we need to like even so, drugs are good drugs in you know in some cases are good but we need to have a hardline stance against drugs and all this stuff that causes us as men, as 
you know, men in a general sense as human beings to become worse off, to become, you know, isolated from other people, to become worse members of society, to destroy the society and do all this stuff. We need to ban all the stuff that like causes harm to society in these terrible and long lasting ways. And this is what I think we need. I want to get my message out. I think we just need to take a more hardline stance against all this stuff that's corrupting, you know, our society, corrupting the world, corrupting our children. The fact, like, I mean, I'm technically a child. I see all this stuff around me, my peers, you know, addicted to pornography, people getting into drugs, people smoking marijuana, all this stuff. And it's disgusting. And I'm like, how can you guys, I mean, obviously they don't know better. I don't think. And if they do, they're making a terrible decision. And I mean, you see like this all promoted in the culture with like, you know, widespread access to pornography, drugs glorified in the media with rap songs and all this stuff. And we just have to come to a point where you start thinking, okay, is this conducive to a moral and healthy society? And if it isn't, okay, then what's the solution? Then we need to get rid of this stuff. We want to build a prosperous and strong society based on the word of God. We want to, you know, rein in the passion, passions and temptations of man and use your power and to like cultivate a virtuous and moral life. We want to bring everyone closer to God. We want to do everything we can to uh, glorify him and, you know, rid Satan and the Antichrist and all this evil stuff from our lives. We want to become the best people we can be. And how are we supposed to do that when you see this massive movement of pornography and drugs and vice and sin and all this stuff in our culture? And this obviously leads back to the whole thing of we as conservatives have to be principally opposed to this. We can't, you know, push for legalization of marijuana. We can't push for all this stuff. We can't push for, you know, we can't be pro-pornography at all. We can't have this stuff if we're going to even have a country anymore. Because you look at 30 years down the road, what's going to happen? These companies are going to become massive. They're going to, you know, put us in like, you know, state and state-assigned urban pods. We're going to, you know, get free marijuana and free porn every day. And we're going to become pacified and numb. And then that's what happens. The you know the libertarian, you know nightmare. It's when the government, the tyrannical government, can step in and see the pacified, numb society, and then take over, have complete control over our lives. You know, we'll be commanded by the government to do whatever we want or do whatever they want. We'll be, you know, they own our land, they own everything. You know that world economic that world economic forum advertising. You'll own nothing and you'll be happy. It's like, no. I want to own stuff. I want to have a family. I want to own a giant farm in Montana. I want to have 18 children. I want to have a giant compound. With No, I'm kidding. But I want to own my own stuff. I want to be the master of my own destiny. I want to, you know, use the power that I have. I want to be my own person. Of course, like, you know, I want, I'm not going to be like a hyper autonomous individual doing whatever I want, but I want to be free to pursue, uh, pursue a moral and virtuous order in my life. I want to pursue, I want to pursue what I know will glorify God, what will make me and my family a better person. I want to improve my community. And how am I supposed to do that when you see all this stuff, you know, disgusting things? And I guess I'm going to about wrap it up because I've been talking for about half an hour now. And I feel like I've been just, you know, the longer I talk, the more I keep repeating myself. But I guess just boiling, when it boils down to everything, I think we just need to go on the offensive more. We need to ban this sexual ideology from being taught in schools. We, we need to ban people saying that our children are evil just because of the color of their skin. 
we need to promote American exceptionalism. We need to promote the fact that America, and especially the America of the past, is the best thing that's ever happened. We need to, you know, uh, we need to look at history in a more balanced view. You know, not say that everyone one side is like the, always the best, one side is always the worst. We'll still like recognizing objective morality because objective morality is still a thing. But you have to realize, you know, some people, people aren't always all bad. Or people aren't always all good. There's always nuances to this. You know, this is also a conservative view about human nature. You know, we are skeptical of human nature. We don't think that humans are naturally good. We think, you know, we're naturally flawed. You know, we're fall, we're fallen creatures after, you know, the fall of Adam and stuff like this. But we realize that humans, we have the potential to cultivate good in our lives. If we follow God, we follow the scriptures, we follow the commandments, we follow all this stuff. We're able to be good people, but that unfortunately isn't like the natural condition of man. The natural condition of man is an enemy to God, and we need to, I guess, put off that natural man in ourselves. We need to cultivate order and virtue both within ourselves and in society, and we just you know, do all this. We need to become the strong man that God wants us to be, and we need to promote this strong moral order in society, and I guess we just – we need to get rid of all these people who want to destroy everything that made our country great. All right. This was a long, long talk, especially for my first time. Um, I thank you for listening. I really do. I know I could be a bit rambling at times. I just want to, you know, this is my first podcast. I'm going to try to, you know, fine tune it, you know, tighten it up, stuff like this. But I thank you for listening the entire, the entire way through. And I hope you tune in again. For my next installment, I'm probably going to get a, you know, a regular schedule on this. And I hope that you like and subscribe and all this stuff. I guess not all the stuff, you know. But thank you for watching. Have a great rest of your day.